Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, July 15th, 2022. As you read through the Bible, you'll come across some passages that are easy to relate to. You, you read it and you're like, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling or have felt or that, that feels exactly like what I am going through. And there's other passages that are a little more difficult to relate to where, where just the circumstances or the experience or the setting uh, just make it feel very different and foreign to your life. And as we look at our Old Testament readings today, well, in 1 Kings, we're going to see a chapter that might be harder to relate to, uh, as you have not probably ever been in a position exactly quite like this, but the Psalms will maybe take some of the, the feelings that are felt or the, the events of 1 Kings 2 and put them in a way that might be a little more relatable to us. So let's start with 1 Kings 2. And what we see here in 1 Kings 2 is really the passing of the torch from David to Solomon. We will now read about the death of David and the beginning of Solomon's reign. We just read how Solomon was anointed king, but as David is about to die, uh, he now gives an exhortation to his son Solomon. He says in verse 2, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And so as you consider those words, maybe if you have a son and you're listening to this, uh, man, that, that, that you can relate to that. Oh, that's what I would want to tell my sons. Be strong, show yourself a man, walk in God's ways so that you might prosper. But even there, you are not David, you are not the king of Israel. So you're, you're not thinking about uh, lacking a man on the throne of Israel, but maybe that's a prayer that, that does resonate with you. But then we get into the rest of the chapter, which even in the ESV, they put the heading over verse 13, Solomon's reign established, where David gives Solomon instruction on what to do with certain people. And then we see Solomon do it. And the first is Adonijah, who you'll remember from chapter one, he had his scheme to be king and Solomon lets his, lets him live. And he tells him, if you show yourself a worthy man, uh, you're not going to die, basically. Well, now in chapter two, Adonijah comes to Bathsheba and asks for Abishag the Shunammite to be his wife. Now you might say, what's going on there? Uh, and why does that turn out to be such a big deal? Well, if you remember in chapter one, Abishag, when David was so old, he couldn't even stay warm. Uh, they brought this beautiful young girl to be with the king in that in his final days. So now, uh, 
Adonijah is coming and trying to get this young woman who has been with the king to be his wife. Uh, Hopefully now you can start to see this wasn't just some innocent, oh, I kind of like this girl. She's cute. It's, hey, this girl was with King David. If I somehow get her to be my wife, that will strengthen my claim to the throne. Adonijah is not showing himself to be a worthy man. He is showing himself to continue to be a schemer and someone that is uh, devious and working on a plot to get the throne for himself. So therefore, he ends up being put to death. And then we see uh, really that Solomon was instructed by David to deal with some people that had not always been good when they were serving David. We see that with Abiathar the priest. Uh, He is told that he deserves death, but because he is a priest, uh, he is not going to be put to death, but he is basically expelled from the service of the Lord, uh, even though he's given some level of honor in that. And then there's Joab, who's been the commander of the army. He's been with David for a long time, but we have seen twice, as it reminds us, where he has basically just murdered somebody in cold blood and especially done that because they were threatening his role. David was giving them more responsibility than Joab. So Joab murdered these men and it is time for justice to be served to Joab. And finally, there's this dealing with the guy named Shimei who had insulted David and we see his end as well. And that's where reading that that might be hard to relate to. I mean, one, you are not the king. Uh, We are not supposed to seek vengeance and and we are not as Solomon was. He was really the, the height of the justice system there as the king in Jerusalem. So he had the authority to put some of these people to death that you and I do not have. And that's where some of these things might be hard to relate to, but at least uh, see the historical setting that what this is, is God establishing and, and David even helping his son Solomon to establish his throne because Adonijah was a threat and was scheming against him. Joab could not be trusted. And also he had been part of the scheme with Adonijah. Uh, So we see God establishing Solomon and, and David instructing Solomon on what to do to establish his throne. Now, as we go to the Psalms, maybe we see some things that are more easy for us to relate to and and can really even inform our prayers today. Uh, The first one, Psalm 71, is a cry for refuge. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Now, those are some familiar uh, themes in Psalms and hopefully ones that we can all uh, relate to where there are all times in all of our lives where we need a rock of refuge. We need to seek the Lord because there is something difficult in our lives. But then you see a lot of the rest of this Psalm uh, deals with, hey, rescue me, verse four, from the hand of the wicked, that there are people opposing the psalmist here. Uh, There are enemies of the psalmist, but the psalmist is finding that refuge in God. And the other thing I want you to note, as we'll see in a Psalm we're going to look at this weekend at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, is how committed the psalmist here is to praising God. Verse 14 says, but I will hope continually and praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts of your deeds of salvation all the day for their number is past my knowledge with the 
mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. And even through all the troubles that he has seen, he mentions in verse 20, you have made me see many troubles and calamities. Uh, you know, he knows that God will revive him and he wants to be revived. He wants to be restored. He wants to be protected, not just so he can have a comfortable life, but so that he can praise God and tell others about the mighty deeds of God. And that's something we need to relate to realizing in our trials, in our suffering, do we seek refuge from God? But even with the purpose of God, I want to praise you and I want more opportunities to praise you. And I want to point other people towards you. Now in first Kings, we see Solomon dealing with his enemies. And as the King, he had authority to do things in those circumstances that you and I do not have authority to do. But we see in Psalm 94, a prayer to God, and it calls him in the verse one, O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth, rise up. O judge of the earth, repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? And so he is crying out to God to deal with his enemies. And as we see clearly in the New Testament, that is what we as Christians now are instructed to do. We are not to repay evil for evil. We are not to seek vengeance. But what we can do, and in many cases should do, is to cry out to God for deliverance and to cry out for God to deal with the evil around us. And there's encouragement that comes from that. I love what it says in verse 19, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. What a great thing for us to think about. And maybe that's you today. There's many cares on your heart. Well, console yourself and cheer your soul with the truth about God. And again, we get back to this idea of God is our refuge in verse 22, but the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them from their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord, our God will wipe them out, right? I'm coming back to God. I know he's going to deal with the problem, but I am taking refuge in him is what we see here in Psalm 94. So understand some of the history and the importance of first Kings two. pray for your sons. If you've got them uh, based on Solomon's prayer, but then look at these Psalms and be reminded when we have enemies, when we have trials, seek refuge in the Lord, commit to, pr- to praising him, make his glory, your objective and trust God to deal with the evildoers and really your, your enemies and those that might oppose or persecute you. Uh, Let's wrap up with our New Testament reading today, Acts 18, verses 19 through 28. So we just read a longer section where Paul spent a year and a half in Corinth, and that's likely where he wrote 1st and 2nd Thessalonians from, and he's on his second missionary journey uh, as he is doing that. But now we see he is on his way back to Jerusalem, and he stops at a city called Ephesus, which is the city to which he will eventually write the letter of Ephesians to. But he doesn't stay there long. Verse 20, they asked him to stay for a longer period and he said no. And he says, I will return to you if God wills. Uh, But then he goes back to Caesarea and eventually to Antioch, which is kind of his home base of operations. And then he leaves on the third missionary journey. And he goes through the the regions of Galatia and and Phrygia, which he has already visited and planted churches there. And he comes eventually, we will see, to 
Ephesus in the beginning of chapter 19. We learn about this man named Apollos who preaches at Ephesus, but we're going to see more now of Paul's ministry at Ephesus, a place that clearly becomes near and dear to his heart. Um, and so well, I'm excited to dig into that as we'll be reading about the ministry at a place where later we see the, the letter of Ephesians written to. It's likely that Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus and eventually even in Revelation, one of the letters is to the church in Ephesus. So we're about to see some very important things, but we're seeing the transition from Paul's second missionary journey into his third missionary journey, uh, much of which will really be focused on what happens in Ephesus. So be ready for that as we keep reading. And hopefully uh, you found some things today might be hard to relate to, but hopefully you found some things that can feed your faith and, and fuel your prayers today as we have come to God's word together. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.